I'm Sarah Miller, and this is the Founder Haven Podcast. In my conversations with amazing founders, we get to hear their stories, the ups and downs they've endured, and the wisdom they've gained along the way. Today, I'm joined by Joanna McFarland, CEO and co-founder of Hopskip Drive, a B2B and a B2C company providing safe rides for children, operating in several metropolitan areas across the U.S. Hopskip Drive is incredibly interesting for many reasons, how it came to be, how it thrived against all odds, and how, under Joanna's leadership, pivoted and fought to survive over the course of the pandemic. Welcome to the podcast, Joanna. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Okay, I have so many things I would love to know about you and Hop, Skip, Drive. So I'm just going to dive right in. Um, why don't you just set the stage for us a little bit about telling us what Hop, Skip, Drive does, even though I already know, but for our listeners, what Hop, Skip, Drive does um, and, and when you got started. Yeah, Hop, Skip, Drive is a ride service for kids. And we work with school districts and families in nine states plus D.C., and we, uh, we help school districts with transportation that is not easily done by a school bus. And we help families with transportation that's not easily done by mom or dad. Uh, and we match families and schools with very highly vetted drivers that we call care drivers um, to just help get everyone where they need to go safely and dependably. Awesome. So you are both B2B and B2C. Correct. You are both. <laughs> Um, so how did it, how did it get started? Because when I, I remember when I first heard about Hopskip Drive, which was a few years ago, um, I remember thinking, wow, that's an interesting company to start. I, that's real impressive. And I can imagine how the early days were you, for you and your co-founders, but tell us a little bit about what spurred the idea and, and what some of those early days were like. Yes. Uh, yeah, I often joke that we, we didn't pick the easiest business in the world to start uh, as our as first time founders. Um, you know, no, the, the idea really came from our own personal need. Um, you know, we had my husband and I had been living in L.A. for uh, about at, at that point, probably about 10 years. We had two boys, uh, Jackson and Sam, who were in school. Um, and I was a full-time working mom. I was in product management at the time and was feeling very guilty that I couldn't get them places after school. And um, uh, so this really came from the fact that I couldn't get my son to karate on Thursday at three o'clock. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I was at a birthday party and all of the moms were, were standing around talking about the mom challenge of the week. And that week it happened to be transportation. And I, I just very quickly saw everybody had a version of the story. You know, there was, you know, the mom who got a new job across town and in Los Angeles, that really means like a, a massive commute. And she was really nervous about how she was going to make it work and how she was going to get home in time for her kids. There was a mom whose kid had gotten into this great magnet program, but it was in the opposite direction of where she worked. And she, again, she just didn't know it, You know, she was making a decision between the right school for her child and her job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the mom who had dance and soccer at the same time, and she was ripping her hair out, trying to do drop-offs and pickups and always missing things because she was always in the car. And I was just listening to all these stories. And I just, I said, you know what, we should throw money in a hat and buy a van and hire the stay-at-home moms in the neighborhood to drive our kids around. And everyone looked at me like I was crazy, but my co-founder Janelle said, 
oh my God, how do we do that? I'm dying. And we started meeting at her house on Sunday mornings. You know, the kids played in the other room. It was a play date. And we mapped it out at the dining room table. Like, what would this, what would this look like? What could this look like? Um, we, we very quickly ditched the idea of, of buying vans, but, um, you know, and our, our third co-founder, Carolyn joined us a, a few months later and we just really thought about, you know, what would, what would this need to look like for us to feel comfortable? Like, mm-hmm. what would I need to see as a mom, this service look like for me to put Jackson or Sam in a hop, skip drive. Yeah. And we designed the whole thing around that from who care drivers are, and we call them care drivers because they have five years of caregiving experience, uh, to what would qualify a care driver to drive on the platform. And we developed a 15-point certification process that includes fingerprinting and five years of caregiving and car inspections and driving checks and meeting that care driver in person. And, um, and then, you know, but not stopping there. Uh, I'm you know, yes, I as a parent can track the ride and see what's going on, but I'm in meetings. I can't always be staring at my phone. And so we developed our whole safe ride technology and safe ride support so that there is a team monitoring every ride and a whole set of proprietary technology around uh, different events during a ride to make sure that everything is, is smooth and kids get where they need to go safely. So, you know, really designed it for the idea that the person in the car is not the person that arranged the ride may or may not have a phone because I really wanted to get my kid to karate and I didn't want him to have a phone at that point. I've since lost that battle. Um, (laughs) And and a kid may not be able to say, you know, a kid might not be able to say like, I don't like this. I'm going to get out and order another car. Um, Or I think you're law. I think we're going the wrong way. Right. So, so really making sure that all of these other features and technology was in place uh, to solve for all of those situations. Yeah, that's amazing. And the reason, one of the reasons I was thinking that maybe this isn't exactly what you were thinking, but the service is such a reliever of parent guilt, which I think parents carry, especially if you're working outside the home and you have other obligations, um, and yet you still also want to be there for your kids and for your kids not to miss out on other opportunities. It's a reliever of that tension. Right. Of like, okay, we can still work and provide for the family and our kids can still participate in things and get to where they need to be at the same time. And I've always thought like anything that can relieve parental guilt and tension between, you know, being there for kids versus working is yes, gold, like absolute absolute gold. (laughs) Amazing. So you were kind of with your co-founders, you were in the sort of proverbial startup garage, which for you as, and your co-founders as parents looked like sitting at the dining room table and letting and watching the kids play at the same time, which is also amazing. Just because I feel like that's gotta be reflective of the experience of so many parents who are founders. Um, so I, I, I love that image. So what I was thinking was in those early days, it, I'm sure you must've run up against resistance people naysayers, people saying, this is an interesting idea with that kind of look on their face of like, are you crazy? This isn't really interesting. How did you keep going when all of the naysaying was coming in or what I would imagine was forthcoming rejection initially? I just have to imagine, but there's something about you and your co-founders that made you keep going. Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting. I mean, there was getting people to try it uh, and then there was fundraising for it. Um, and, um, you know, 
our very first ride was Janelle's son. So my co-founder who has been a part of the process since the beginning, you know, built the technology alongside me, onboarded the first drivers alongside me, like knew the driver. And we all were huddled around the computer watching her son, Gus, go to gymnastics as our very first ride and seeing her reaction. She was nervous. Yeah. And, and it, but it was so um, important for us because she knew everything, right? She had full visibility into everything that had gone into this and she was nervous. And so I think it really gave us such a great, uh, I mean, we knew that safety obviously was important. We had built all of that into the service, but I think that became such a part of our, of our brand, of our story. I think our, our, our brand has always been about safety, but also empathy and authenticity. And like, we get it. This is hard. I mean, you talked about relieving guilt, but you, you, there's, there's so many emotions wrapped up in this uh, for a parent. And so I think that gave us just really great insight into what our voice needed to be for parents to get them to try this. And, um, and we knew how important word of mouth was going to be and that a good experience would beget more and more good experiences. And so we really focused on that from the very beginning um, and focused on our, our customer service and our customer support. And, and I think all of that is reflected in our, our company values to this day. Um, as far as fundraising, uh, it was very difficult. I mean, everybody, um, thought this was interesting, as, as you say, and, you know, there were questions of, well, Uber's just going to do this, or, um, you know, we got everything. We, you know, we heard, you know, your, your three women and your three older women um, from Los Angeles, you don't have a technical co-founder, um, you know, we, we heard all of the things. Uh, my, my favorite story is, is one investor that I spoke with said, I just don't think this is a really big problem. I mean, each of my kids has a driver. And I said, well, you, <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said, well, you are not my target market. Um, and this isn't going to be a fit. Uh, <laughs> and just walked out and laughed. But, um, you know, you, you do, you just have to keep going. And we just knew we had to show traction and we had to show that parents would use it. And so we just really focused on that. And, and they did. Um, and I think it was really understanding. It kind of goes back to that empathy and that, uh, that understanding of who the customer is. You know, there were other, um, people who had this idea and who got started around the same time as we did. And, you know, some of them weren't parents and they just didn't understand how important safety was and how important that, that empathy was. Um, and, and they ultimately didn't, uh, survive in, in the way that we have. So, um, I think, you know, I think you also, as a, as a founder, and, and this is easier for some and easier for others, and it's something that I still work on every, you know, you have to separate yourself from the business. And somebody telling you no, whether that's an employee or an investor or a customer, is not, it's not personal. It's not about you. It's about the business. And in those early days when you're, you're literally birthing this thing, um, that can be really, really hard, but you just kind of have to shake it off and, and keep going. How do you shake it off though? Because I hear, I hear this sentiment a lot from people where they want to shake it off. They want to kind of divest themselves from, or their self-worth, right? They don't want their self-worth wrapped up in, in their company and what they're building. And especially 
like you said, building a company is often like raising a child. And sometimes we don't frame it like that, but it really is. So how do you, you, Joanna, how do you actually separate, separate the two? Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes it's easier than others. I'm not going to pretend that I have it right all of the (laughs) time. Um, but, but look, I do think, um, and, and I'm a sample size of one. So what works for me doesn't work for everybody else. But I do think actually being a parent was incredibly helpful because one, you know, you kind of have to go take care. You, you can be as down as possible about something that happened and your kid still needs to take a bath. Yeah. And so that's, it's actually like a really great way of separating from it. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful that I wasn't the like 20 year old dropout where this was all I was focused on and all I had, like I had, I, I have a whole other part of me and a whole other life that, um, that has to be attended to. And you have to constantly, you know, uh, juggle between the two, but like, that's a great, you know, and, and having your kids one, give you a hug or two, now that they're older, like roll their eyes at you and be like, oh, mom, um, you know, is a, is a great way of separating yourself from the emotions of what's going on at work. <laughs> it's true. I hadn't really thought about it quite like that, but it really is. Not only is it something that requires your attention, but it's also something that's really important to you. Right. And I think anytime we have something else that really matters to us to turn our attention to, it reminds us that we have, there's more to us, right. There's that's right. More in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that can be a hobby that can be a pet that can be, you know, it doesn't have to be kids, but yeah, having something besides this thing, you you can't let it become all consuming. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a great point. Um, okay. All of this sounds lovely. Empathy was driving you so focused on safety, having, you know, your own kids (laughs) use the service, things like that. I'm assuming it grew for a while. Let's fast forward a bit, if you don't mind, to um, let's say early 2020. <laughs> let's say how things were going in, oh, I don't know, March 12th <laughs> of 2020. Right. <laughs> or maybe not March 12th, because we knew things were kind of coming before March 13th, D Day, I think. Um, but how are things going kind of right prior to the pandemic? And then, of course, I want to hear more about how all of this transpired with the pandemic and how skip drive. Yeah. So, you know, I think we'll, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit more. I mean, the business had really, had really grown and changed from those early days. Uh, we still serve families. That's still a, a part of our business. Um, but the, the biggest part of our business is working directly with school districts. And we contract now with you know, uh, well, I guess back then, fewer, but we, we contract with hundreds of school districts across, you know, at that point, we were in 13 markets and eight states. So the business had really taken off and we had really found product market fit, uh, helping schools, um, helping schools just make their transportation more efficient, mm-hmm. uh, but, but helping a certain uh, there were certain use cases that we were really serving well, and, and that's um, students who have special needs and have an individualized plan that, as part of their education plan, uh, means that they're going to maybe a different school, or they're going to get therapy, mm-hmm. or they're going they're going somewhere else, and transportation is required as part of that. Um, and then students who are experiencing homelessness or who are in the foster care system have the right to stay at their school of origin regardless of what their housing situation is. So you can, you can imagine that 
somebody who is in the foster system might move frequently. Sure, the average child in foster care might move four times in a year. Yeah. That can mean switching schools. And you get into these yeah. situations where credits don't transfer. Yep. What is taught in fourth grade in one district is taught in fifth grade in another district. And mm. so it really can set a kid back from an educational standpoint. And that's very much reflected in graduation rates. Um, but it also, school might be the one source of stability that that child has. Yep. And so there's these federally mandated rights that these kids have. The biggest barrier to that is often transportation. You know, yep. these children might be moving far. They might be moving 20 miles away. How are you going to get them to school? Wow. And a child who is moving at 1030 at night you know, you can't reroute a school bus for that child, no. but with hop, skip, drive, you can make sure that that kid gets to school the next day with no interruption. And so that might be the one source of stability. That's amazing. Um, Cause I'm quite sure that when you started hop, skip, drive, using transportation as a means of social justice was not really. It was mind. not part of the initial business. No, <laughs> but it's amazing how it was able to transform into, to incorporating that into the mission as well. It, it, wow. it really was. And that's, that's a whole story in and of itself, because yeah. we really transitioned the business from a consumer business to a, a, a service that is both B2B and B2C. And there were so many lessons learned and so many changes right. that, that had to be made. But, um, you know, I think the mission of the business has always been about opportunity, whether that's creating opportunity for families, and you put it in the terms of re guilt reduction, um, we always talk about it as, as opportunity and letting both kids and parents do more. I like guilt reduction, um, but letting, <laughs> letting kids and I wouldn't use do that more in, than they could. Yes. I wouldn't use that in marketing. That's right. me internally saying what it does. Right. Yes. yes. Um, but the mission really expanded into opportunity yeah. for all and really re removing mobility as a barrier or removing yeah. mobility barriers um, as, as an obstacle to opportunity. Yeah. And, and that also transitioned the business and to transition the team. And it, you know, it's, it's really exciting to get up in the morning, knowing that, that those are the real problems that you're solving. Yeah. Um, so we were doing this, you know, all over the country, tens of thousands of kids a day. Um, 2020 was looking like an amazing year. We had raised around not too recently or not too, uh, far behind that. We, we raised around 2019. Um, and we started hearing about, you know, COVID and it was, it was in Europe. It was, it was in Italy. It was in China. Like, what does that mean? When is it coming? What is this going to do? Um, and we thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, just like everybody else. But, um, yeah. you know, it was, it was rough. I mean, you know, we went from record-breaking months and record-breaking growth to just a halt like to zero overnight you know school and we just watched schools across the country just shut down um and we're home you know I was home with you know I'm home with my own kids who had a packet of work that their teachers had given them for two weeks yeah. uh and and we were all kind of looking at each other like well now what do we do? We're all home together. What, what, what does this look like? And, um, and trying to calm down the family, trying to calm down employees, trying to calm down myself. Um, it was, a, you, you called it D-Day, I think. Um, I, that, I think that's real. It was a really scary time. Yeah. I, just hearing you even describe, like, as we watched, you know, schools across the country, 
you know, shut down. I mean, it gave me this pit in my stomach <laughs> just hearing you even talk about it. And I can't even imagine the pit in your stomach um, or wherever you tend to feel it, um, <laughs> just, or the whole, the whole body. Um, I would imagine how, how did you manage to get through some of those days? Just like, what are you, and I'm asking actually even just kind of practically speaking, like what are your go-to strategies when you are overwhelmed, when things are, when, I mean, cause I think despair, like it doesn't even have to be a pandemic for a founder to experience mm -hmm. despair. Right. I mean, that's a very poignant example, but, um, there's lots of times that founders and CEOs can experience despair. So like, what are some of your strategies? Absolutely. I, I, I joke, but it's not really a joke. You know, I say every single day, there are high highs and low lows every day as a founder. Mm -hmm. I don't care where in the journey you are. You, you always think it's going to like, you know, even out at some point and it doesn't. And, uh, and those, those high highs and low lows can come within five minutes of each other. Um, I think, you know, my, my cousin is a, a corporate attorney, a tax attorney, and uh, has raised two amazing boys. And she gave me some advice well before I, I became a founder, but, but as I was having kids that I think really stuck with me. And I think is, is sort of how I tried to manage in those situations. And she said, you know, you're going to be juggling a lot of balls. And some of those are going to be rubber balls and some of them are going to be crystal balls and the rubber balls can bounce a few times. The crystal balls can't. And your job is to figure out which ones are the crystal balls. Right. And so, I mean, really what she's saying is you have to prioritize. Yeah. Um, but just in such a way, you know, if, if your family is a crystal ball, you know, that, um, you know, at work, it's it, recruiting that one team member might be that crystal ball or preparing that board deck might be that whatever that crystal ball is, you got to realize what it is. And you got to like, just kind of try to push everything else yeah. out of the way. And, and, and so in those moments, um, I, I think it is, it's okay. What is the next thing that I need to do? And let me get through that and let me shut out the rest of the noise, do that thing, then figure out, okay, what is the next thing? that yeah. I need to do and do yeah. that thing. Yeah. Um, because otherwise it can get very overwhelming very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it sounds cliche in some ways to put it like this, you put it better, but just like one thing at a time, which I think is, it's, it's one of these, it does sound very cliche, but I think that um, truly we'd like to think that we can handle everything. And I think, especially when you're in a position such as yourself, where you literally do have to attend a, you know, like, so many things, right? We can fool ourselves into thinking, I can do it all, right? But at the end of the day, everybody can really literally only do one thing at a time, right? And when you can, in those moments, zero in in that way yeah. and really just take it as it comes and prioritize, like you said, I love that the crystal balls and the rubber balls and figuring out the difference between them. That's awesome. I might steal that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Joanna's thank you. Cousin. That to a lot of people. Yes. Thank Mary. you. Cousin. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, so then also tell me a little bit about how, I mean, I think that over the course of, you know, from the time you were sitting at the dining room table to where you are now kind of post series C, if I'm not mistaken, right. There has to be this evolution of you as a, a founder and a CEO how do you see your role and can you say a little bit about 
kind of the evolution of that? I think a founder's role changes every six months. Um, you know, and it, what you do every day sort of changes every six months based on, or, or sometimes more frequently, um, based on where the company is and, and where it's going. Um, I, I was, uh, I think it was, I can't remember exactly when it was, it was, it was last year maybe, but I was, I was joking with, um, with our, our head of operations and I said, or some new employees that came in, I said, you know, once upon a time, I, I did your job. I had, once upon a time, I did every job at the company. Yeah. Um, you know, I did customer service. I did safe ride support. I did marketing. I you know, bought all of our Facebook ads. I built our first uh, website. I product managed. I, I did, you know, um, and now I can't. Everything has evolved beyond any, you know, I don't know the systems. I haven't gone through the training, um, which is super exciting. Yeah. because it means that we have grown into a team that is capable of doing that. And so my job is now making sure we have the right leadership in place mm -hmm. to build those teams, to manage those teams, to make the right decisions mm -hmm. of what tools we should be using, what processes and, and better, way better ways to do things than I could have originally thought of. Sure. Um, and so then your job change, you know, your job changes from doing to managing, and then it changes from managing to hiring and, uh, then it changes to, um, uh, you know, exec executive coaching. I mean, it just, it's always changing. Um, I think what never changes is strategy. I think you always, as a founder, need to be the one setting the strategy and setting the vision and then making sure you have the right team around you to execute that vision. And that's both internally and externally, whether that's advisors or board members or, um, or, uh, I'm a or exec, I'm a huge fan of executive coaching and um, CEO groups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, wherever you can find them, uh, I think it's very, very important. I, I I call it CEO therapy. It's not really CEO therapy, <laughs> but having a group of people who understand what that role is like is very, very important. Yeah. Um, there's things you don't, you know there's things that you may not, your first call may not, you don't want, maybe want it to be a board member, or you don't want to talk to your employees about something and your partner is sick of it. Um, and, and it's a, it can be a very lonely job, right? Yeah. The, the buck stops with you. And that sounds super glamorous. It's really not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can be very hard to have that level of responsibility and it can be very lonely to be making those hard decisions. And so having a group that really understands that, that you can talk to about that, that you can get advice from, who really yeah. knows your business, yeah. um, I think is completely invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you really are on an Island. I mean, there's, unless somebody has really been through that, it's very hard to understand that the buck stop here, it buck stops here really just means like there's enormous pressure and yeah, yeah, that's really hard. How, would you say what, Maybe what I'm thinking of is what were some of the, the toughest growing pains for you? I mean, you mentioned executive coaching has kind of, you know, helped you along the way. And so I think it's nice to have some of those touch points, right, where people can kind of help you through. But like for you personally going through this amount of growth, what has been some of the, the toughest growing pains for you? Um, 
I think, you know, learning, learning how and when to be vulnerable and learning that being vulnerable can open up, you, you know, you, you're sort of scared to be vulnerable. You're scared to, you know, I can't tell my team this, that, and the other, they'll realize that I don't know, you know, I can't admit that I don't know something or I can't admit that I messed something up, but, but doing that, once you do it, mm. it opens up so much opportunity. It opens up so much communication. It just, it like, it can be transformative. Um, that has been very important growth. Um, you know, being, I think we've always been very intentional about culture um, and, and intentional about our values. Um, that can be easy in good times. It can be much harder in bad times, but that's when it's the most important. Um, and I think learning that, uh, has been, uh, very important. Um, I think learning when to let go, right. Learning when to, when it becomes time, you know, we talk about like those transitions, yeah. But learning when to recognize them and then learning to solve for them, I think can be hard. And sometimes, sometimes you do it too soon mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't work. And mm-hmm. then uh, sometimes you do it too late and that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Um, um, there was a big period of growth when, you know, my, neither of my co-founders are in the business anymore, mm-hmm. all very amicably, like we're mm-hmm. all very good friends still. Um, but that was, that was hard. Uh, when Carolyn stepped away from the business full time, you go back to like not taking things personally. It was hard to not take that personally. For sure. Um, and I, I had to learn that that was not personal. Uh, and that was, that was hard. I'm sure. I'm sure. How has your professional growth been mirrored or not by just personal growth? Because I, I just feel like the human who also happens to be a CEO and a founder, just also because of this endeavor experiences an enormous amount of personal growth. Absolutely. I mean, I think the same way that I've grown as a leader, I, I've grown and changed as a person. I'm certainly not the person that I was when, when we started the business. Um, I think a lot of that comes with life too. I mean, I, you know, my kids have gotten older and that mm-hmm. also brings you a lot of growth, whether you want that growth or not. Um, you know, I, we, family dynamics have, have changed as parents are getting older and, and, um, and, you know, all of that has, uh, I think all of that has brought growth. Um, it's the same way you think about being intentional in culture and the business, um, can kind of make you stop and think like, are we being, are we being intentional with, with culture and our family? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, where your family doesn't want to be, you know, it's, it, your family's like, this is not a business meeting we're having right now. <laughs> so you have to- I'm just going to say like, so how does that happen? Is there like a deck involved? Is it? You- <laughs> no, you have to be very intentional in an unintentional way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where it is not presented in bullet points. It is not presented with an agenda. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it has made me think a lot about that. And, um, and, and, um, and it has certainly made me, I guess it's also made me realize like my role as a mom changes every several months, every day as, as my kids grow and change too. And so trying to be conscious of that, uh, I'm probably not nearly as successful there as I have been in doing it in the business. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. I'm quite sure. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just, a, it's an amazing thing like this, this endeavor, just because I think it, it forces a founder, co-founder and, and a CEO or whatever, you know, position you carry, it forces you to, to grow. I think because you're put in so many positions where you have to contend with who you are, what you know, what you don't know, how you present yourself, how you speak to people that just forces you in a way to like, there's no getting around trying to become more comfortable in your own skin. I mean, cause you're, you're just, you're forced to contend with it daily. I would say daily. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, like if you're, um, and I don't know if this is good for the podcast or not, but you know, when you're an employee, you have a group of employees, you have a peer group and you, you know, you are social together and you chat about things and you complain about things, you know, and even, even at senior leadership levels, you have that, that peer group. Um, but when you are the CEO, there is no peer group and you have to be much more thoughtful and mindful about what you do and say, um, which can be which which is good and bad um i think it's important to always be your authentic self and and to always do that but you know you may not you know you realize that at the holiday party when you are the employee you stay and and at some point as the ceo you're like oh they want me to leave now <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm holding fun. back the party <laughs> exactly um and and you know you you have to realize that or you just have to realize that um and and things that you don't think are um things that you do that you don't think are a big deal or important other people can perceive very very differently yeah. um just because of where you are and like, and so you have to you just have to be mindful of that um and and have to be mindful that and i think that goes back to culture like you have to set up a culture where people are going to tell you the truth and not be afraid to tell you the truth um and you have to always be kind of checking like mm -hmm. i just want to you know this is because um that's how that's how you continue to grow and that's how the company continues to grow and if you don't have that in place um it can get really hard. It is so much like raising a kid. I mean, like, cause you could say the exact same thing that you Absolutely. said, you could say it about raising children as well. Like you have to keep having those conversations and you have to keep encouraging honesty and you have to keep encouraging those authentic conversations and things like that. Right. Otherwise it just gets away from you. Right. And the culture shifts and the dynamic and the relationship shifts. Right. And so that's you, right. Yeah. It's the same. That's right. And, and you may not want to, you know, what, what is right for you, you know, you might be telling your child no more sweets, um, but when they go to bed, you're, you're going to have a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you have to be mindful of your behavior. <laughs> That's not good. Don't, don't say that. I did that. No, my my daughter always is like all you guys do when I go to bed is like you just sit up and eat popcorn right and I was like it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like <laughs> maybe a little bit okay we won't I'm worried about your teeth getting rotten I'm not worried about my teeth getting rotten fair enough um we'll we'll take that part out <laughs> we can see how we get around our kids up um 
Joanna, I'm wondering if there's one piece of advice, or it could be two, it doesn't have to be one, but what advice would you have for founders who are just kind of starting out on this journey? I think a, a big piece of advice is don't take it personally. Um, you can't, in order to persist, you can't take it personally and you have to be willing to, to separate yourself from the rejection because you're going to receive a ton of rejection, right? Um, again, whether that's, you know, from a potential employee, whether that's from an investor, a customer, um, you're going to get a lot of rejection. And so you have to really be able to kind of toughen yourself up to, to receive that rejection. Um, and I think you just, you have to be creative. I, I talk about like, you have to find a different, you, know, you you're going to have so many people tell you no, as it, as it relates to that rejection, there'll be so many people who say no, and you've got to figure out how to be creative and get to a yes. And so, you know, maybe that yes looks a little different. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe this customer doesn't want to buy this, but you can go back and reframe something and, and, and get to a yes, a different way, or, um, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, I, I mean, I think when we started, it was so hard to find that first insurance provider who was willing to insure this business. Um, and, you know, it was, we could have given in to the nose 150 times, um, but you just keep going, keep getting creative, keep trying different avenues, keep trying different messaging uh, until you find a way that works. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep that creativity going? Like, are there ways that you, I mean, there's lots of strategies out there that people use, right? But I'm curious, how do you, how do you stay creative? I think, and again, I'm a sample size of one. I think I was so passionate about solving this problem that I just wasn't going to let it go. Mm. Um, I think you know, there are a ton of people out there who are just serial founders who just love the process of building and that's what they're passionate about. I am not that person. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, it is hard. It is really hard every single day. And I, I think unless I was so passionate about this particular problem, um, I, I'm not sure I would continue to keep that creativity and keep that persistence uh, and that determination going. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I talk to people an awful lot about, it's funny because I'm this, um, I mean, when I work with clients so often, they're just like, I just want to feel good. And I just want to feel happy. And I'm like, man, happiness and good vibes. Like they just, it just, it's elusive, right? I mean, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And one thing that makes you feel good one day might not the next day, but the thing that really is always there that kind of is this North star is your mission, your values, the things that are important to you. And it will always be there even when things are, are really difficult or even when they're not difficult and our minds just say that, I don't know, our minds make up all sorts of reasons to be unhappy about things, but those, I mean, right. But like those right. values and, and that mission is always kind of there. And if you believe so strongly in it, it really can carry you through some of those tough times. Um, what, what has been one, I'm going to end with this one, um, but what has been one of the greatest joys that you've had as a, as a founder? Uh, so, so I'll give you two. Um, I mean, I think the greatest joy, honestly, is like what we do every single day. And we hear so many stories, uh, from, from kids, from families, from care drivers of what this means to them. And that, that can be as, you know, as simple as, uh, you know, I mean, we hear stories of kids who literally, 
um, got scholarships to college because they were able to get a ride to the interview process. Uh, and so, you know, the difference between struggle and success can sometimes be yeah. as simple as a ride um, to, you know, we hear stories of just, you know, this kid used to be showing up 20 minutes late every single day, 30 minutes late, and now is, is getting to school on time and therefore is calm and ready to learn, you know, so stories like that, um, which, you know, it's like why we do what we do. And so that, uh, what, no matter how bad your day is, no matter what level of despair, like you hear something like that or you, and it, it just makes it all, you know, worthwhile. And that's why you keep doing it. Um, I will say the other thing that, uh, has made me incredibly happy or fulfilled, you know, we, we talked a little bit about COVID, you know, we, we had to make some really, really hard decisions and we had to lay off a lot of people. And that was one of the, the hardest days of my life. Yeah. I am, I consider one of the greatest achievements, the fact that we have now, you know, we are now growing and, and way bigger than we were pre-COVID. We've been able to hire, and we are now bigger in, in terms of employees than we were pre-COVID. And we've hired a third of those people back. And so, you know, being able to say to somebody like I was so, you know, I am so sorry, we have an opening, we would love you to come back and seeing people leave other jobs to come and join us again, I think is just, it, it says so much about our team, it says so much about our culture, and it says so much about what we're doing every day. And yeah. to see all those people come back, I, I consider that like one of my biggest achievements as, yeah. as a, as a founder, um, yeah. and in building this whole thing. And that's been hugely rewarding. That's amazing. I love it just because I also think of anything in our lives is kind of legacy building. And I feel like even though things come and go, companies come and go and things like that, one of the legacies you always get to leave is the interactions that you had with people and the influence that you had, not just with customers, but with the people that you work with. And it sounds like you have an awful lot to be proud of. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Joanna. It's been so great talking to you today. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it and had a lot of fun. Thank you. Awesome.